Welcome to the Zenfluence Podcast. We got Jeremiah Schmidt here, and this is a podcast where we talk about possibilities, we talk about potential, we talk about all different types of things. And today, I'm sitting down with a very special guest, someone who's set long-term goals, someone who has one of the best mindsets and a good friend of mine, a buddy for life, uh, Hilton Chan. And this guy's actually gonna be a future doctor soon, so I'm gonna pass the microphone on to him and let him introduce himself, and then we're gonna jump into some questions about social media, goal setting, long-term goals, and how to be comfortable in your own skin. Hey, thanks Jeremiah for having me on the podcast. Uh, I really love what you're trying to do here with Zenfulness, so I'm excited just to be part of it. Uh, What I do is, right now I'm in my second year of my master's at the University of Alberta in public health, uh, trying to just finish that up, and then I'm applying actually this cycle to get into med school. So that's the long-term goal, when we're talking about goals, is to become a doctor, and really part of it also is just to become a storyteller because just like you, I'm very interested in stories. So hopefully as I progress in my career, I can talk about not only medicine and a way to help others, but also to hear other stories because I find other people's backgrounds, their experiences very interesting. And the funny thing is we're actually doing some med school interview practice after this because Hilton does have, he has an interview coming up pretty soon right around the corner. So I'm going to we're gonna sit down and help him with that. Yeah, pray for me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess we'll just jump straight into it. And I guess the first question we're gonna be talking about is social media. You know, social media can really be a positive for some people. It can be a negative. It can be a place where you waste a lot of time, but it can also be a place where so much opportunity lies. So I'm gonna pass it on to Hilton. I'm gonna ask for some questions or his thoughts on what he thinks about social media mm-hmm. and how he incorporates it into his life. So for me, social media, I understand it as this, this giant of our society now. It didn't used to be. Uh, it's a very relatively new thing. I think within the last two decades, it's really taken over our lives. And, you know, whether or not you love it or you hate it, it's a big part of society. We can't deny that, you know. No one's saying that you have to be on social media, but it definitely opens a lot of opportunities, as Jeremiah was saying in your life. And I think a lot of people don't understand that about social media. I think often there's a lot of negative connotations to it. You know, it's a time drain, which it can be for a lot of people. Uh, It really inflates people's understanding of other people's lives. And that could, when you're comparing your life to the glamorous lives people live on Instagram or on Facebook, you might, you know, feel a lack of security about your own life and you might feel some inadequacy, right? Because your life is not as extravagant as those, as those people. But yeah. what a lot of people don't understand, at least at a conscious level and subconsciously, is that those people's lives aren't always like that. You know, if you talk to a lot of social media influencers, and I'm not one myself, but if you hear them talk about it, they under, they'll tell you that their lives isn't as glamorous as they make it out to be. They only have to do that because they're a social media influencer. If they don't make their lives seem glamorous, then people will stop following them. And for them, that following, that, that fan base makes them money. So do you think that's a problem with society uh, following kind of false realities or on social media? Because it, it's not necessarily the influencer's fault. Mm-hmm. So Hilton, for mm-hmm. when you use social media, what are some ways or things that you do personally to make sure that you are not wasting your time with it and you're being productive? Now, these are one of those situations where I would say practice as I say, not as I do, because I do sometimes find myself waking up in the morning or right before I go to bed, just scrolling Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's very addictive. The way that Instagram is set up is they want you to stay on there as long as possible, right? So I think one of the biggest things that you want to do is not check social media right in the morning and right before you go to bed. 
you know, maybe just set off five minutes to yourself to do whatever you need to do that's not on screen. So whether it's to read a book for five minutes or, you know, a lot of people tell you to meditate if you are into that. And I, and I think it's a great thing. I think it's definitely hard to get into. But if you're into meditation, try that for maybe five minutes. And then, of course, in the morning when you get up, it's so tempting. It's so tempting to check your messages. And often I have messages from people on Instagram. So I go into Instagram. I either respond to those messages and then one thing leads to another. And, you know, I wasted 15, 20 minutes of my morning just scrolling through Instagram needlessly and mindlessly instead yeah. of, you know, using that time to get ready, uh, shower, eat breakfast. And then my whole morning is kind of screwed up because I have to rush and make up for that lost time. So I think that's a great way to start. Um, I think another way that you can reduce, I guess, screen time on social media is be very mindful about who you follow, especially on things like Twitter and Instagram, Instagram especially. I think a lot of people just follow pages because they think it's funny or they follow a certain celebrity because they admire them. And like that's fine. But if you're just following everybody all the time, then all the amount of new posts that fill your feed start increasing. And like that's what gets you scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. It's like almost as like I have to get to the end of all these uh, different posts that are coming up, which they'll never end if you have that many followers, right? So I think that's the biggest thing for me. Um, yeah, social media, I think... It's not necessarily a bad thing, but if you want to cut your time just because it's cutting into your productivity, then you can, you should definitely not do it in the morning, not do it right before you go to bed. And then if you really, really need help with that, there are apps out there that, you know, lock those apps for like an hour and stuff. Right. So oh, you can Google okay. those online. Yeah. Okay. If you really need it. Tilton is becoming a doctor soon and he's getting ready for his med school stuff. But this has been a goal that I know Hilton has had all throughout that I've known him ever since we were in uh, elementary school elementary, together yeah. he's been talking about his dreams of becoming a doctor and now that it's finally coming true for him it's actually amazing to see that that journey and I think the biggest thing we can take away here guys is long term goal setting I want to ask Hilton some questions about how he how he made this happen for himself mm. how, what, what are your thoughts on long term goal setting and, and how could someone replicate that so I think that there, there are two sides to long-term goal setting. There's a positive and a negative side. Uh, first of all, I'm going to talk a little bit about the negative side and then jump into the positive. The negative side of long-term goal setting is that you have these goals, which you should in life, uh, but it really depends on where you are in life at that time and when you, in which you set those goals that kind of really dictate whether or not it's a positive or negative long-term goal you should be having. Because, for example, I had that goal of becoming a doctor when I was so young, mm -hmm. which is great, but I was so naive about the world, I didn't know what was out there. So easily, without having the experiences, understanding what was actually available to me, if I was just so hell-bent on sticking to this long-term goal, maybe I wouldn't be happy. Because, you know, as I got older, and I was still working towards these med school dreams, I found this other thing that I was very interested in, but I forego that other interesting thing because you know, have this long-term goal of becoming a doctor. I got to stick to it, you know, like it can sometimes cage so, you and like restrict you, you know? Would you say you, because you had that long-term goal, you had to make a lot of sacrifices towards it. Like it was a positive thing, but at the same time, there's a lot of things you have to say no to or just you can't do or kind of it, it shifts the way it, like it shifts your life a bit. I, I think, I think that definitely plays a part, you know, it definitely... Uh, guides you in a certain direction and you understand that if you have this long-term goal that you're really trying to stick to you have to let go of some other things that might have been other opportunities that could have blossomed into something great 
Uh, I think luckily for me, there hasn't been a lot of big things that I've had to let go of in pursuit of this goal. Um, so if I can ask you another question, yeah. so what's your story behind this goal? Why, how, why do you have such a strong pull towards it? Why did you, do you want to be a doctor? Mm. Why are you being a doctor? Yeah. What's, what's the story behind it? So I think underlying most people who want to do medicine, hopefully is that they want to help others. You know, they see that they're suffering in someone's health. You know, everybody tries to be healthy and there's all these different things that you want to do to be healthy but there's so many issues which cause people to be unhealthy. And as a person, I think health is one of the most important things to a person that you can have. So then being a doctor is being kind of a healer, trying to help these people to optimize their health, I think is always been something I've been drawn towards. So uh, why have you been drawn towards that? Specifically, I think it goes into more about what kind of medicine I'm envisioning myself in doing right now. Again, something, and I want to go back to the goal setting thing is that I've learned to be more open-minded about my goals. You know, I have this like overarching goal of becoming a doctor, uh, but even under that, my goal was to specifically become an obstetrician. I want to deliver kids and I'll tell you in a second why, but first of all, now that I've grown up and I've gotten experiences from, you know, my life, I understand that yes, that's still what my goal is to be an obstetrician, but I'm open to, you know, once I'm in med school and shadowing these different specialties, being open to maybe change my mind about what specialty I want to pursue, right? Oh, but the okay. reason that I want to do obstetrics is because growing up, I was born with a congenital birth defect called microtia. So that meant that my right ear when I was born was deformed and it wasn't fully functioning. Oh, okay. And you know, it didn't impair me physically that much. Like, yes, my hearing on my right side is pretty bad. So if you ever see me on the street and I'm walking on your right side, it's because I'm trying to hear you talk. So if anyone who knows me notices I do that, it's because of that reason. But um, the biggest thing growing up for me was, you know, kids can sometimes be very cruel and kids obviously bully each other. And growing up, because I looked different, um, kids would bully me about it. And it definitely impacted my self-esteem and my self-confidence at the time. I would do things such as, you know, I wasn't very good with other people. I didn't make friends very well. I would grow my hair long so then it would cover it up. Yeah. Um, what was good was there, there was obstetricians that performed surgeries on me to kind of graft skin onto my right ear and make it more cosmetically pleasing, make it blend in more with uh, what a normal ear would look like. And that really helped, I think, because now people don't notice it. And even, you know, as you grow older, people are a lot more understanding. They don't, first of all, most people don't notice it. And second of all, if they do, they don't care because as an adult, you become more mature. Yeah. But at the time... Um, that bullying definitely, it sucked as a kid, right? So by being an obstetrician, I hope to be able to do all that I can in my power to make sure every newborn child is born as healthy as possible. So would you say that is why you want to become an obstetrician? Because you were helped as a kid with your ear and then you want to pass mm -hmm. that favor on to others. Yeah, kind of pass, yeah, pass that. Yeah, I like that, pass that favor on to uh, other people, you know, so then they can have that best start that they have in life you know I understand that I can't do everything and there's gonna be some things that are out of my control but if I can play a part in the process to make sure that all these new children that are born are born as healthy as possible mm -hmm. then they can maybe avoid some of the negative consequences which are mostly for the most part social yeah that I experienced as a kid yeah so actually this is gonna tie into the social um, stuff talking about but uh, I know Hilton, he's one of the most comfortable guys in his own skin. <laughs> yeah. uh, this guy is like insanely confident and just like has a really nice. good mindset. Thank you. 
And I think it's surprisingly, but I think a lot of it comes down to all the challenges that he's had to overcome. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, definitely. being different, having it, uh, being deaf on one side, having to overcome these challenges of looking different, feeling different, actually just made him to accept himself more to a higher level. And I want to I want to get his thoughts on that and, and and talking about that. Just how I kind of got comfortable with myself, right? Yeah, like yeah. how how what would you say to someone who's on listening to the podcast who's mm-hmm. struggling with self-esteem issues their confidence their self-identity self-identity yeah what what advice would you give someone like that i think the biggest thing is you have to understand self-confidence and self-esteem is something that you always work on it's not something that you know you don't just become 100 percent self-confident and you are good for the rest of your life yeah like you in the when you move through life dynamically there are going to be situations where you're put in where you don't feel confident because you're out of your element and stuff right so in those new situations you have to fall back on a couple things and to you know really build back your self-esteem and remind yourself hey i'm self-confident who i am i know who i am and i'm gonna stick to that um i think the biggest thing for me was First of all, I, I realized that I didn't like who I was in terms of when I was a kid because I was shy. I didn't, I couldn't make friends easily. I was awkward. It was difficult for me to talk to people. So for me, because I didn't like that about myself, I sought out ways to change that about myself, you know, and it, it might not always have been the healthiest thing to, you know, not like yourself first to make those changes. But I think it's definitely a very powerful motivator for people to build their self-confidence and their self-esteem. Um, but if you are happy with who you are and you know, you don't want to change that, then to build that self-esteem and self-confidence, I would just say to accept who you are as a person and as cliche as it sounds to really kind of forego what other people, you know, think of you. For example, um, I really like comic books and, uh, I actually went to San Diego Comic-Con this year, which I had a lot of fun (laughs) at. Yeah. But I think one of the funnest things and one of the most cool things I got out of that experience was I saw all these people who were really, really into, you know, comic, anime, whatever. And they were so unapologetically themselves. Like they didn't care that, you know, maybe mainstream society look at them and like, oh, they're nerdy or, oh, they're lame or, oh, they're losers. Like they were in their own elements and they were so confident and accepting of who they were. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, people would cosplay as different characters and they would just become that character. And to some outside person who doesn't understand it, they're going to judge them, right? They're going to be like, this guy's a loser. Why does he care so much about this? But in that element of Comic-Con, they were so themselves. People were so supportive of it. And like, they didn't honestly care what other people think. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really just building your interests and sticking to those interests. And like, not again, just enjoying what you do. Because I think another thing that really helped me build my self-confidence is I understood that people honestly don't care as much about you as you think they do. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Mm. You think that like, you know, when you do something or you say something out loud that, oh, people are judging you or they're saying negative things to you. And that might be true. But I think for the most part, people are self-centered and, and that might be a little, uh, cynicism, a little bit of my cynicism coming through. But I think people are very self-centered. So they all live in their own little world. So they're mostly interested and worried about themselves first. Most often they're moving through life thinking about things in their own life. They're too busy thinking about that to be thinking about you and judging you, right? So I think once you understand that, then it becomes more freeing for you to do things and not be like, oh, that was awkward or, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, what are they thinking of me? And that helps your self-confidence, self-esteem, yeah. And and I want to touch on another point here. uh, I actually asked this from Hilton's, what he was talking about is like, I feel like a lot of confidence has to be earned. You know, Mm -hmm. just like Hilton said at the start, he didn't like who he was, so he changed it. 
And that's the thing, guys. Like, you don't always have to be crazy confident, know every, how to do everything. And you, you don't always have to blindly accept yourself and pretend to have confidence. A lot of it just comes down to realizing, okay, look, I'm not as, it's not necessarily that you're not confident. It's just you've never really done it before or you're not skilled in that area, right? So it's just like Comic-Con, right? So if you go into to cosplay, you first put on a costume, it's your first year there, you're not really going to be too confident with the Comic-Con. But if you if it's like your 10th year and you're a veteran and you know all of, and you've studied and researched, you're going to be pretty confident there. You're going to yeah. be in your element. And I, I, I guarantee yeah. you that no one who you know in your life who's super confident and like celebrities who are super confident, I guarantee you none of them started like were born that way. I, I can almost guarantee you that a lot of them were born and lived a life initially that was the opposite of that, where they were very insecure. You had to work towards that. So confidence is... It's not, it's not in your genetic code to be confident. Yeah. Confidence is a learned social behavior. So it's something you have to work on. And, it, and it, some people who you see are naturally confident, I think all, most often that comes from their environment as a kid. Maybe their parents were very good at encouraging them to try new things and to be accepting of who they are. You know, so that early environment helps a lot too. So that's where natural confidence comes from, but it's not, um, it's not something you're born with. All right, so we've unpacked a couple different things here with Hilton, and this is actually uh, this is one of my favorite podcasts so far. We've been diving into a lot of different things. We wow. talked about social media, goal setting, and being comfortable in your own skin. And now I think we're going to tie it all together, and we're going to look at the transformation of it all. We're going to look at someone, a person who was bullied when he was young because of his birth defect, and turned himself into a masterpiece. Someone who, <laughs> <laughs> someone Thanks, who man. is going towards his goals you know, crushing it in life, feeling super confident, confident and comfortable in their own skin. So I want, I want to, I want to focus that back mm -hmm. because I know that really will impact social media and everything like that. But I want to focus that back and, uh, I want to get your thoughts on that again. So on the whole transformation of it all. So how I got to who I was when I was bullied to someone now who's comfortable in his own skin. I'm not going to sit here and tell you all that I'm the most confident person in the world because I still have my insecurities, but... But he's like, he's top 10. He's top 10. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that. But I think, honestly, one of the biggest things is um, I had mentors growing up as a kid. You know, I had my uncle who was very influential in helping me break out of my shell in terms of my shyness. I used to be a very shy person, which um, for those of you who know me, you'd probably be a little bit surprised. Yeah, because, I'm pretty surprised. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually, I think I'm going almost to a fault sometimes. I can be obnoxious and <laughs> I sometimes don't read social situations that well. So I just come in really hard and strong and I just <laughs> plow through everybody else. And that's not always the best. Yeah. Um, but so would you say you went like you were born an introvert, but you became an extrovert? I, th I think... Or do those labels even? They, they do apply. So the way I looked at it, I thought about this once, was I thrive and I get energy from others. So I am an extrovert in that sense. But at the same time, I was, I would, I would tell, I would label myself as like an extroverted introvert. Mm. So it's someone that when interacting with others is very extroverted. But, you know, I do like to spend some time by myself. Um, for example, I love going to the gym by myself and I sometimes get a lot of energy too from being by myself. And I think for me, my extrovertedness is a learned behavior. So that's where that extrovert to introvert comes in. It was not like, I was not naturally um, 
uh, extroverted from the very beginning at a young age. So because of that, it's a learned behavior. So even in social situations, it might come off as natural, but it is me exerting a little bit of effort and being extroverted. Oh, okay. Actually, I heard something pretty interesting about that. Yeah. It said that a natural extrovert recharges himself in social situations, Mm -hmm. whereas somebody who's naturally introverted uh, feels energy and, and recharges himself when they're alone. Mm-hmm. So what you say when you go into social social situations, even though you're really good at communicating and being extroverted, you feel your energy kind of deplete? I, I think it's it depends on the social situation, but I think it, it can be both for me, at least personally. Like there are some times where if I know I have to exert myself and be social, then afterwards I feel kind of tired. And there's sometimes, you know, especially with my very close friends where I feel more energized after being with them. So I would say in larger, larger social situations where I don't know everybody, mm-hmm. that takes effort and that takes energy. In the smaller situations that um, where you're just one-on-one with friends, I gain energy from that. Uh, to go back to your point about the transformation, I think one thing that's very important is for you to get mentors in your life, people who care about you and your growth and who will push you to become a better person. Uh, what's unfortunate, I think, about society is that they value extroverts, right? You, yeah. you, would assume, you would agree that society cares about people and pe- uh, who are extroverted and people who are extroverted normally achieve more, become more successful, are CEOs, whatever, right? Um, so that's unfortunate for some of us who aren't naturally like that. Uh, but I think that you just have to accept that that's kind of how society is. You know, it sucks, especially if you're an introvert. But if you want to succeed in society, then you have to have at least those skills. Mm-hmm. And of course, you always can make it work too. Mm-hmm. Just if you're an introvert, you can, some of the, like the richest people in the world, look at Bill Gates, the outside, he's just a little bit introverted. Yeah. But for the bulk of society, I would agree with Hilton that it is, it comes down to a lot of people putting themselves out on social media or in business or uh, behind the scenes. They are very extroverted. Yeah. I mean, Bill Gates has to be extroverted, right? I mean... Mm-hmm. I don't know him personally, but I do get that vibe that he probably likes spending time alone and doing his own thing, but he has to be. If he's going to be the face of this huge company, he has to go out there and be extroverted, make those connections, and uh, present himself, right? Um, I think what's important, so first of all, get yourself a mentor if you can. Look at someone who who you admire, who you spend time with. Uh, My uncle was someone who I admired at a young age, and he was really good at, you know, almost forcing me and pushing me to start off very small in social situations. So for example, and I don't know if this is true for some people, mm-hmm. but I was always nervous to talk to like cashiers, servers, or oh, really? service industry <laughs> people. Like I got really nervous asking them for things. You know, if I needed an extra fork or I needed napkins or I wanted a water refill, I was very, very, very nervous and would try to avoid doing that at possible, at, at any time possible. Like I would, if I needed more water, I wouldn't ask for it because I was just like, I don't want to deal with that social situation. And those, yeah, right. And I don't know if that rings too for you, Jeremiah, but for me, like those things are so small. So that's kind of where you build that extrovertness is you build it from there because those people, like what you got to understand is those people's jobs are to service you, right? Obviously be polite to them, but you're not inconveniencing them for asking for something, you know, it's part of their job. Yeah. So get comfortable talking to strangers that way. So I guess you started small and then you built your, your way up. Yeah. You built your way up. Um, and another thing too, for me is you always have to have something that you work on. You always have to try and especially for confidence and for uh, social awareness, you always have to be working on something I think. Um, so a big thing for me is I like to do things that I'm still uncomfortable doing sometimes. 
So, for example, sometimes I'll just go up to somebody and start a random conversation. I know Jeremiah does from time to time. Um, sometimes I'll just be <laughs> like, let's say someone holds the door for me, and I walk through, like I'd say thank you, and I'm like, hey, I like your hat or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, just giving a random compliment, and be like, thank you, and then you just leave it at that, right? Um, if you really, for me, what really helps is if I need to be in a social situation, I try and like gain momentum, which I'm sure Jeremiah has talked about at some point. Where if you have to be social in like a networking event or something, maybe on your way to the networking event, try and strike up a conversation with someone. You know, if you're transporting on public transit, maybe just say hi to the bus driver. You don't have to sit. You don't have to have a full length conversation, but just to get yourself in that social mood, I find always helped me. You know, mm-hmm. if I was like nervous, you know, for example, for a date, you know, if I was nervous, I'd talked to someone before. I was a lot more calm during that date. So yeah, build that momentum. And that's a pro tip right there that Hilton mm-hmm. just message, that just uh, mentioned. Gaining momentum, especially if you're someone who is naturally nervous or introverted. Mm-hmm. One thing you might have to do is start get the ball rolling, you know, just once you're comfortable, once you get in flow, once you talk to more people, you'd be surprised what five, six, seven conversations before your social party or your interaction or whatever, or your presentation, uh, how, how well you'll do. Because you just like you have the ball rolling, you're doing it already, and you you feel feel like a well oiled machine. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah. I guess let's spin it back to Hilton, and yeah. he's gonna keep going on this. I guess. Sure. Like, I mean, I I want to talk a little bit more about how you, uh, for example, if in this social interaction, you know, me and Jeremiah having this interview, I could like go afterwards and do anything I want to. I feel like I could go pitch to a huge company or I could go and present my thesis if I had one for defense, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's a very important part about my self-confidence. Um, but that's much more social social aspect. Uh, for the inner aspect, I think that as you get older, you realize that like you don't care as much about what other people think. I know that's a reoccurring theme and that's very cliche, but it's just kind of like, I accept what I like and I accept what I do. And I also accept that not everyone's gonna like that. And I accept that it's okay that not everyone's gonna like that. I think the biggest thing for you is you gotta understand that you like certain things that other people might not like, and that's mm-hmm. fine. And you might see other people like other things that you don't like, and that's okay. That doesn't mean you still can't have a civil conversation with that person. That doesn't mean you still can't respect the person for who they are. But I think it, it's just very stressful if you have to change who you are all the time to fit other people's desires and what they want you to be. Yeah, and I think that's a great point because I think as you get older, there's just more things dealt on your plate. So yeah. you can't really stress over you can't really stress over the little things as much. Yeah. And I think that's what Hilton's saying here is mm-hmm. as you get older, because there's more things dealt on your plate, there's more struggles in life, life gets harder, tougher, changes are happening. Mm-hmm. There's less things that you can actually spend your time worrying about. Mm-hmm. So you just learn to accept yourself more. Yeah. I think it just takes time, you know, honestly. Um, I'm sure a lot of people who compare themselves to confident people, some people will obviously be their age and some people will be older, but when you look at someone who's your age, who's confident, what you don't see is the years and years and years of struggling to get there, to be confident. Uh, for some people who you've known your whole life, who you think are very confident, you don't see the early childhood development that they had with their parents, where their parents did a good job of encouraging them to be bold and to be brave and to believe in themselves. You know, that's where that starts. So you don't see that. So you, so you have to understand that, you know, with anything in life, it's a process, uh, being comfortable with yourself and being confident in yourself. And I think another big thing is that you have to understand that not it's just because you're confident and comfortable with yourself doesn't mean you're comfortable and confident with yourself all the time in every single situation. Yeah, maybe situations you're foreign to. Yeah. At the end of the day, 
we're all humans, you know, mm-hmm. everyone has times when they're not confident and times when they are confident. Uh, everyone is essentially trying their best here. Yeah. Right. And I think that idea realizing that one thing can boost your confidence because then you realize everyone is essentially just trying to get through it like you. So. Yeah. They're just trying to get through life. Yeah. They're trying their best. You know, sometimes maybe if you catch someone in a confident situation, maybe they're confident in that situation because they've been there millions of times, whereas you're new into that situation, mm-hmm. you know, but there be situations where you're confident in that they're not confident in. So just because you're not confident in some aspects doesn't make you not a confident person. I think it's just stay grounded in who you are. And if you are faced with uh, opportunities and situations where you feel insecure, you don't feel confident, as Jeremiah was saying, just have that mindset of do the best that you can. It might not be good and that's fine, but you're doing the best that you can. I think that is a core pillar of confidence is knowing that in any situation, whether or not you feel confident about it, you are confident in the fact that you are doing the best that you can in that situation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I literally have no comment to that. That was was, was a solid, that was a solid right right there. Um, But I'm going to wrap this up with one last question. Uh, This is going to be, I've thought about this question specifically for Hilton. Mm. But it, so it, it will be a good one. So the one thing I want to ask question or the last question I want to ask Hilton and mm-hmm. I'm going to leave you guys with this is because I think you guys can learn a lot from it mm-hmm. is um, now that everything's starting to happen for you, Hilton, now that you're progressing mm-hmm. towards becoming a doctor and you ha- you're having your interviews literally in, in a couple of weeks away. Yeah, one of them, yeah. Uh, what does it feel like to now kind of like have all these things happening that you dreamt of having... Well, what does it feel like for you? Like now that you're, you're kind of walking the steps and mm-hmm. like, do you, does it feel like it's actually happening or does it feel the way you envision it to happen? Or? Um, I, I think it kind of depends cause you know, I'm not there yet. I'm not in med school yet. I'm, and then even when I'm in med school, it's another four years, three to four years become a, before I become a doctor. So I'm, I'm still trying to like stay humble and hungry. I try to stay like, yes, I got this interview and this is great. That's what I want. But, you know, the struggle's not over. Um, but it is nice because it, it, it kind of validates that what you've been doing for so long has made an uh, impact, has, has progressed, you know. And I think that's, that goes back to our point about long-term goal setting is that you, to get to a long-term goal, you have to set a lot of short-term goals. I think that's a pretty obvious thing for people to understand. Uh, you know, again, keeping open-mindedness with your long-term goal. But if you are working towards that long-term goal, set some short-term goals in the interim that work towards building towards that long-term goal, right? So for example, if I want to get into med school and that was my long-term goal or like, no, my long-term goal is I want to be an obstetrician. What are the short-term goals I have to do to get there? Well, first I have to go to undergraduate. I have to do a post-secondary degree because most medical schools, if not all, I think, require that you have some kind of post-secondary education. So you have to go there. Uh, and then within that, it's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And like, what can you actually get into? Right? So there's short-term goals there. Break it down to the next one. Okay. I got to understand how do I get into medical school? And that I think for me was a big struggle. Um, I, you know, fooled around a lot in my undergrad the first two years and because of that, my application suffered. And that's why I didn't get in straight out of my undergrad. I'm very, I'm looking back on it now, I'm grateful for that. But mm-hmm. if there's something I can um, impart to people is that if you're trying to reach a long-term goal, 
really plan out, really, really plan out the steps to get there. You know, you might have like a fuzzy idea and you have like, yes, I know I got to get my undergraduate degree. Yes, I know I got to apply. Yes, I know I got to volunteer if I want to get to med school, all these things. Yes. But be really calculated and understand exactly what you have to do. Look, go, if you're, for example, I'm taking the med school example, uh, if you're trying to get in and you're trying to become a doctor, you know, look at the different uh, application processes for these different medical schools you might be wanting to get into. See what they're looking for in successful applicants. Talk to people that are where you want to be. That is a big step in your planning and your long-term goal. How do you know that goal is what you want if you don't know what it's going to be like? Mm-hmm. So ask people that are where you are. See, tell them, ask them to tell them about yourself, themselves because you know everyone loves talking about themselves, me included. And then once you gather those experiences from those people, then reevaluate, is that actually what I want to do with my life? And that, I think, goes back to the open-mindedness. That contributes back to the open-mindedness of your long-term goal. Because if one of the things you do is you ask those people who have accomplished your long-term goal what it's like, and you don't like, and you don't like what you hear, that's when you think about reevaluating those goals and think about changing your long-term goal. Maybe, you know, it might have to be a huge drastic change, but it just has to be different from what you thought it was. So I think that's, I don't know if I really answered your question. That, no, that, that was a tangent, right? <laughs> no, that, that was a perfect answer. I think yeah. one of the best things that he talked about there or that Hilton talked about there was um, breaking down long-term goals into short-term goals. Yeah. And this is from someone who's literally living it. Uh, his interview is in a, a couple of weeks away. Mm-hmm. So it, it must, it must be true guys. <laughs> I think, and again, I kind of emphasize that enough, like know what your long-term goal actually is. Like know what it's going to be like, like know what it'll be like once you reach that long-term goal and how your everyday today is going to be. Cause if you don't, you might have this romanticized vision and idea of what your long-term goal is, but how crappy would it be if you re- reach that long-term goal and you realize it wasn't everything that you worked so hard for and you realize that you're disappointed in what you do. That happens to a lot of people with a lot of things. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people learn things from that, those experiences, which is great. But a way to kind of avoid that even is to just do your due diligence beforehand before setting these goals. And I think that harkens back to what I talked about, why it's sometimes dangerous to have long-term goals so early in your life because you are so young and naive. You don't know that that's what you want and you're not smart enough to one, plan for them. You're not mature enough to, uh, again, plan for them or ask people who are where you want to be, what it's like, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, that, that's, that's what I think would be most important for me when I talk about that, yeah. Okay, and uh, I guess the last of last to finish this up, is there any yeah. parting words you want to leave the audience? Any words of advice or, I know you just had some <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, yeah. And anything you want to double down on? Um... I think the biggest thing for me is just going back to that idea of doing the best that you can in, in what you do in life. Um, I think that uh, whether whatever your goal is, whatever you want to do is you try your best. And like, I know as cliche, it sounds like that's all you really can do. Uh, one of the biggest things that I struggled with and I still struggle with, I try to work on is like not comparing myself to where some people are in life. There are some people who I graduated my undergrad with who are, uh, in med school right now, doing their second year. There's some that I went to school with who got into med school, you know, straight out of second year. So they're almost mm-hmm. done and graduating, becoming doctors now, whereas I'm still fighting to get in. And you can really get lost in that uh, cycle of looking at others around you and thinking to yourself, well, they're there, how come I'm not there, you know? 
Um, and don't look at it like that. Like your life is your life. You live it at the pace that you want to live it at. Um, you could wish that those people you were at in that position, but you know, at the end of the day, you can't change that. Like, so keep living your life at the pace that you are living it, you know, push for your goals. Yes. And push as hard as you can, but don't be discouraged just because someone else is farther along their path than you are. You know, that doesn't make them better than you. That just means that they're living their life their way and you're living your life your way. Yeah. As long as you guys are both happy, that's what matters, I think. Yeah, and everyone has their own story. There's a good uh, quote, actually. I think this one's from Jordan Peterson, but it says, um, you should only compare yourself to who you were yesterday, yeah. not to who someone else is today. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect quote to finish this off with. Yeah. But before we wrap this up, I, I know I keep trying to end this. <laughs> I just want to shout out Hilton and thank him for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, like, I, I learned a lot during this one, and I want... Uh, I wanted to shout out his social media links. Oh yeah, and yeah. anything so you guys know where to find this guy. Yeah, I know. I don't post. I'm not trying to make myself a brand on social media, but I just post whatever I want to post because again, that goes back to accepting who you are. So um, obviously, I try to make the posts as nice as possible. Uh, they're the highlights of my life, so you guys gotta understand that too. And I don't let that like the secondary. He's a big foodie over here too. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys are hungry and you need some suggestions about where to go to eat, uh, hit me up. Let me know. Okay.